This is Talking Ears, where music creators tell their story of sound and hearing. My name is Frank Wardinger. Our guest is Joey DiCamillo. In this episode, he shares how he found his life calling playing in bands and big stages, and the story of how he paused his music career due to his tinnitus and hyperacusis. He shares his perspective on the relative cost of protecting your hearing early and what he would pay to get his hearing health back. He opens up about his life events, which put perspective on his ear damage, and his ongoing journey to get back to the stage. Throughout this episode, we'll be hearing music from Joey DiCamillo and his various collaborators. Well, it's, you know, it started at the end of uh, 2017 for me. And I, you know, I mean, I know I'm, I'm jumping, obviously I'm jumping ahead to this part of the story, but I went through a lot of ENTs. I went through a lot of audiologists um, to even find one that talked to me about tinnitus and then came at me from like that, you know, perspective of understanding it as opposed to, I've had doctors just straight up tell me like, what do you want me to do about it? And I was like, oh my God. <laughs> that's, not, that's not what you're looking for. I was looking for a cure. I was looking for a pill. I was looking for a surgery. I was looking for literally anything. And everyone kept coming up short. So so yeah, I mean, you're the first audiologist really that was like, hey, I have it too. I'm a musician too. And um, you know, here's kind of the deal. And demystified a little bit of it for me. I, I was depressed, beyond depressed. My whole life identity was ripped from me um, all because I just felt like my health was preventing me from doing the thing I love. like the, one of the first audiologists tell me like yeah you can go in and, and play again and i was like i don't believe you i literally was like i don't actually believe you yeah. um that's that's kind of where i was with that <laughs> at the time but it sounds like you're getting close to being back in 100 percent. uh yes and no i like yeah. I, I was actually like 100 percent. i'm here to tell you that i was like um up until march 2018 that was, let's put it at one of the lowest points um, with my like tennis journey and, you know, not, um, I wasn't playing, I wasn't, uh, I wasn't gigging, I was barely playing guitar, I was uh, avoiding loud places, um, like, like in all aspects of that. Um, let's say that's like one of the lowest points. Um, it took until about 2021 for me to get back what I would call 100% pretty much. Every year I gain back a little bit more of like what I did and what I think I can do and environments I can be in and things like that. Um, and just like also my mental distress about it. But I'd say about fall 2020 is when I started like taking back that last like little 10% of my life, which was like insanely loud environments like gigging and then also doing that all the time. And for the past six months, I'd say like, wow, I think I'd arguably made what would be like a for my in my eyes like a full recovery you know um from, from tinnitus while it's still being there i just made like a very like i said very full recovery from it it wasn't bothering me i barely heard it when i did i was able to laugh about it again which is something i haven't been able to do in years and then just unfortunately i had a what i think is another decent acoustic trauma beyond even what i usually do in my bands um from a, from a hardcore show and uh, that has kind of set me back uh, on the journey of habituation again. And I am a couple of rings back on the ladder. So that's where I'm, I'm struggling now with trying to understand 
that maybe it's not just like a, you just have one uh, staircase you climb and then you get to the top and then you're done and that's it and you're always good. I think it might be a, a back and forth journey of habituation and such, which is a different pill to swallow than just the first time when I was like, oh, I think this is it. Everything's over. <laughs> yeah. Some people see it as a, a very linear progression, right? Something happens to your ears, you work to get better, you're better. But when you look at it day to day or even week to week or year to year, there's going to be ups and downs. And seeing those downs as another chance to exercise your ability to get better is really important because if you only see the downs as, oh, I'm back in this and this is the worst again, you're forgetting all the successes you've had getting you know, rising up in the first place. Yeah. And I need to hear that right now too, um, because that is uh, very true. What really got you into music in the first place? Not starting with your ears injury, but like starting with like, how did you fall in love with sound? How did you fall in love with, how did you fall in love with playing in bands? Oh man. I mean, I, I feel like I've been in love with music, like since I came out of the womb, when I was like two years old, I remember like my dad, he was really into all your staple classic rock and, and blues rock growing up. I mean, when I was like a kid, man, I saw him play guitar and I, as early as like two or three, I thought that was like really cool. And I just kind of wanted to do that. Like, like my dad did. My dad's the reason why I'm, I'm, I'm a guitarist and why I kind of fell in love with music in the very first place. You know, when you're young, you're, uh, what do you experience? I mean, your window into certain pieces of culture, whether it's art or movies or music, originally it's from your parents. From the earliest age, it's from your parents, you know? So when I was like nine years old, I'm uh, driving with my dad. I'm like passenger and my dad's like Corv like his 86 Corvette. And, nice. you know, we're cruising around. <laughs> yeah, it was just like a lot of those memories. And like, we're cruising around and he, he puts on a CD and it's um is a song called Pride and the Name of Love by U2. Very it's, it's a well-known one. If you don't know it, then go listen to it. But the intro riff to that uh song, man, was like this guitar like this guitar line from the edge, classic, um, you know, classic edge riff right there. But just the everything about it, man, the note choice, the tonality. Um I didn't know all those things then, all that specific stuff. I just knew like Whatever I was hearing, whatever that sound was, it like it made the hair, you know, on the back of my neck stand up and it was just um, you know, it gave me the shivers and everything. And I was like nine years old and I didn't understand anything, but I understood that feeling. And I was like, whatever the feeling that I'm feeling from this, like I want to put back into the world. I knew I wanted to capture that emotion and that feeling and I wanted to be the master of that. And I wanted to whatever that was, I want to perpetuate that in this world. And I just knew that, man. All It's all in that one riff, I'm telling you. And, like, that that was it. I mean, ever since then, for sure. I mean, I was already into it. And I was really sliding into that interest as a young age. But, I mean, I got my first guitar at nine. Um, I was terrible uh, at it. And I was, I was, I was really bad until I was about 13 because I, I, I went to guitar lessons. And my, uh, my teacher was, like, teaching me, like, Twinkle, Twinkle, Little Star and crap like that. And it wasn't until I was, like, 13 I switched teachers. And I walk in the first day. And my teacher, this dude, um... Oh man, this dude Jerry. He just goes, You wanna learn uh Beverly Hills by Weezer? I was like, Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that was the first song I learned in like my life. Dude, it was crazy. Like it was it was so cool. Um I was like, Yes, like I wanna learn rock like you kidding me? Like I wanna learn like rock and roll and all yeah. that, you know? Um, which is weird. I know when you when you learn an instrument, um, because like it's so formal when you're young, there's like you can be in fourth grade and like you can join like the school band. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. But like I played like the flute for like two weeks when I was like around that age too, dude. Like, come on, that's not like rock and roll. I don't know. Just that wasn't my thing, man. I always wanted to like plug in. I didn't even play. I didn't even get an acoustic guitar first, man. I got an electric guitar first. I plugged right in and I was like, this is all I want to do. And I just want to rock and roll. Same here. hundred percent. Yeah. 
you know, like you get it, man. There's nothing, I say this to this day, like if you want to feel what power is, like actual power, play a um, an E major chord open and distorted just through like a Marshall stack. There's nothing more powerful than like an open E just is godly. So um, yeah, man, I mean, that, so true. look, it kicked off a, a lifetime of, um, you know, wanting to be, I mean, I, I dreamed about being in a band. I dreamed about, I dreamed about, you know, rock and roll and being in a band. And, um, I mean, as early as eighth grade, I was like organizing my own bands and having band practices. Like I'd be like every, every week we got to have practice and it'd be like my brother on drums and a couple friends. And we'd like get a rotating cast of people that wanted to sing. And I just did that like all through middle school, man. So I even started playing, you know, in loud, you know, environments probably in like seventh, eighth grade, you know? It wasn't until I was about like a senior in high school, freshman year in college. I mean, we, you know, we, we a couple bands later, I was in a pop punk band called uh, Batten on the Hatches. We started like writing music that resonated with people. We started actually seeing people come to gigs and we were now a part of a music scene that was forming around the new generation of like of kids out there and like we were right in the heart of it and we were very lucky at the time to be playing the right kind of music at the right time in the right area and it just like popped off um and that kind of sprung us into like the world of like oh you can like go on tour and like you got to just slug it out and like you want to play to you know my thing is like yo you want to play to some kids in maine you gotta drive to maine and play like, that's how it was, at least back in the day, a little bit. You got to just go out on the road and just make it happen. Mm-hmm. You know, on a good night, you're playing to 30, 40 kids in some other town. Sometimes you're playing to just three kids. Sometimes you're playing to just one guy in a Van Helsing outfit <laughs> in upstate New York. It's, I've done all of it. <laughs> you know, you, you piggyback off of that experience, and then you get even older, you get in your 20s, and then you start getting into these situations where the bands that you're in start getting weeded out, and, like, the kids that were just doing it for fun, that was, like, a fun thing to do it starts burning out because like, you know, Hey, are, are you getting any traction? Are you actually going to keep pushing with this? And if you're not, you know, you're not going to keep being in a band that's not really taken off or moving too much. So the people that are still playing music, those are the lifers. And those are the people that really want to do this as a career. And they're not, you know, it's not just something fun for them. It's like a, it's like a, not even a choice. You know, I started jumping around in a couple other bands, um, either as a fill in or, um, as part of someone's backing band or just as another member. Like I, I, was a little nomadic for one point in those years i was playing in a couple different bands that were starting to do like national tours um, and i was with a band out of virginia um, my buddy mike frazier oh my god i did so many full u.s tours with him so i did that for like two i did it for like two three years just slugging it out diy seen every corner of the country just about from the back of a van played every kind of you know every kind of slum every kind of dive every kind of backyard crawl space uh, back of a coffee shop i mean loft i mean you name it i played every type of thing and then a really good opportunity came along in 2017 where I joined a band as their live bass player, a uh, band's called Modern Chemistry. They were playing out of New Brunswick at the time. Some doors were opened through that. And one of those doors was supporting Take Mac Sunday on their tour for their most recent record, which is called Tidal Wave, that came out. And uh, they were doing a full U.S. tour with Every Time I Die as the direct support. And uh, we got to open for pretty much half of that tour uh, across America. So that was my first like full professional tour where it was like supporting a massive band, we're playing two, 3,000 cap venues every night, and every single night was sold out. Like, our portion of that run, every single show from here to Sacramento was sold out. It was 
the coolest, craziest touring experience I've ever had up to that point, obviously. And um, it was a whole new world. It showed me a whole new level of what this looks like. I'm like 25 or so by then. You know, like I said, right in the mid 20s, right at the point where you're like, are you doing this for your life? Are you still trying to push through with that? Because, you know, there are your friends are starting to have like real jobs and people are getting in serious, long relationships. Some people might be getting married, but, you know, people are just like starting to own things. Or a big thing for me was like people were like graduating college and they have graduated college. And some people, it was so far out. Some people even went back to college and still graduated. And you're like, dude, I never, <laughs> like I barely went in the first place, you know? So you start having these 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 kind of things that that test you and, and you feel like the world is um coming down on you a little bit about, can you do this thing with your life? I'm in a constant struggle with the things I think I know. The set just got crazy. There was like a balcony that like the crowd was on that hung really, really close to the stage, like almost over the stage. And um, again, like a 2000 cap, you know, big, um, you know, big theater type venue. And um, the end of the set, like we just got really rowdy that night and like started smashing the stuff up a little bit, kicking the drum set over. Like I, I ended that set like on top of like I'm standing on top of like my bass amp trying to climb or like reach the balcony the people on the balcony I'm like shirtless I have my bass in like one hand like the sets just we're just like the stage is just like you know not destroyed but everything's just like you know a mess of just noise and chaos and we're like we're all just like you know kind of going nuts and I'm just like shirtless and I'm like trying to like touch the people up on the balcony above me and I have this moment where I'm just like staring out of the crowd man and I was just like I was like, this is what I was born to do. I was like, this, this feeling, this thing, like I was, it was so life affirming. It was like, Hey man, this is exactly where you have to be. And this is what you have to do with your life. Like I, I've never felt more comfortable, um, in anything during anything than I do on stage. The stage is like my safe space. It is my sacred spot. It is my most comforting. I have no stage fright. I have no, I don't care about, no, I'm not nervous. I'm not any of that. Like I, I am so at home on a stage performing in front of people. It is, I can feel the most myself, the most expressionistic. Um, it's how I tell my story um, of, of what I am. It's how I express myself. And, and um, I had that, I just had like one of those moments, man, staring out in the crowd in Santa Cruz, just being like, nah, dude, you're on the right path. This is like, the, you, you know, this is what you want to do with your life. And I will spend, I was like, I'll spend every minute of my life just to get up here and have my, half hour 45 minute hour whatever my set length is like high you know it's it's playing live as a high man and like i it's it's something it's a high that i was like i will risk my entire being financially you know <laughs> you know mental emotional spiritual being just so i can have this high so that's the high point though yeah dude that was it that was like i was just on a, i was just on a total roller coaster of just like always playing and leaving and it was like definitely the high point of that time. Came back from the fall tour and um, I uh, I had a bunch of earwax uh, that actually impacted in my left ear and I was not really knowledgeable about what was going on. I just knew that like, I couldn't hear it in my left ear and it was very weird, but it was, I'm pretty sure it was earwax. And um, I had another band, pra- I literally the day I came back from tour, I had a band practice with a new band that I formed in between tours called Not Your Baby. So I have yet another band I'm in that I'm like a, like a main writer in. 
And I'm like, oh man, I just got off the Modern Chem tour. I'm like, I have to go tonight to have practice with Not Your Baby because we're going to try to get this thing off the ground. And um, I couldn't hear it in my left ear. So it was like very late and practice was coming up and it was like eight o'clock at night. And I was like, yo, I really need to like hear. So I went to like, I drove to like a walk-in clinic. I said, I got earwax in and I've, I've had this happen to me before, like once in like high school. And like, I know you just suction it out, but they didn't suction it out. They, um, they syringed it out with water. And it, it just, it was, it was, it wasn't, it wasn't like a, I don't know, it didn't feel right. I remember getting back in the car and just kind of feeling like my hearing was very sensitive, which I realized was because I was like, I had impacted earwax. And after you pull that out, like, you know, all the high frequencies of the world have been reintroduced to me, but I didn't understand that because I had no knowledge of anything autological. So I'm just like kind of frustrated. I'm like, why does everything sound tinny? Why does everything sound sharp? Like, this isn't good. And then I proceeded to do that, getting a bunch of earwax pulled out that effectively acted like an earplug for God knows how many months and from building up and impacting. I get that pulled. I go to a band practice in like a five by five room, you know, like we always do. You know what I mean? Like a closet, you know what I mean? The rehearsal space, full drum set, all the amps, tube amps and everything cranked, no earplugs, which is the real caveat here. I never wore hearing protection for everything I just told you. I never wore earplugs, man. All the practices since eighth grade, all the DIY tours, all the pro tours, all the gigs I've played, gigs I've gone to, I mean, hours of practice, I never wore a shred of hearing protection because I just didn't think it was ever going to be a problem. And just like all the other times that night, I go into practice. That was like the night that just broke, uh, what was it called? The the straw over the camel's back or just broke the camel's back? Whatever it is, man, it broke the camel. All right, I woke up that I woke up that um, that morning like five a.m. in the middle of the night, man, and my ears were just there was like two dial tones just going off, and it was like I've heard ten of this before. You know, you you play a loud gig, man, your ears are ringing from that before. You have a night out, you're like, oh, bro, like my ears are still ringing from last night. I've had that all the time. Um, it was so faint, I didn't care about it, but this one was different. I woke up and it was like just alarms. It was it was literally two dial up tones just going, and I was like, this isn't right. So, you know, that set me off on my, uh, <laughs> on my, my journey here. Did that make you pump the brakes a little bit right then? Or did it take a little bit of time for you to like, you know, it's funny. I actually played one more show without earplugs again, still not understanding the damage I did. Um, but then once I started looking up online and once some audiologists started explaining to me, like took it into my own hands to kind of see what's going on and, that's when I started realizing like, yeah, I got this from, from noise exposure and from never protecting my ears and it's cumulative. You know, I understand it's cumulative at that point. So I was like, I totally pumped the brakes. I I actually made a hard stop. I I stopped. I pulled out of playing. I had to cancel every gig I was on. I had my spot in modern chemistry was given up to another friend of ours. And I just like, I stopped gigging, man, hundred percent. 2017, I ended 2017. I stopped gigging. I, um, I stopped playing. I put a halt on Not Your Baby. We literally, that band came crashing to a stop because I was like, I I can't, you know, I could write acoustically and that's about it. Like part of the problem was uh, tinnitus, but also something that's talked about a little bit less. And and this is, I hope, validating for a lot of people out there. But I had something called hyperacusis, I learned, which was that everyday sounds um, at normal volumes, um, you know, sounded louder to me. Like the gain input on my hearing was turned up. Uh, artificially or something so you know you drop a plate or something man like it's an unpleasant sound it's not great to me it sounds like a gunshot you know 
So it was a very um, scary and very strange uh, like sensation that like all these, like my hearing was like hypersensitive. I heard everything, um, car brakes, squealing doors, squeaking. Um, oh my God, silverware, uh, plates, ceramics clanking together. Oh, it hurt so bad. And it just like was so prominent. Um, you know, uh, car horns, uh, landscape. I mean, you name it, man. I could just like, the world was just a different place. And, um, I remember even being back serving at my restaurant and I was able to hear the electronic buzz inside of the like touchscreen that we serve in, in the middle of the restaurant. I mean, it was just a, it was a terrifying time and I, I was depressed. I was beyond depressed. My whole life identity was ripped from me. Um, I felt, um, all because I just, you know, felt like my health was preventing me from doing the thing I love. Like, nothing would have stopped me from being in a band. Nothing would have stopped me from gigging. I didn't care. Like I said, man, I found that high and I was like, I'm chasing it. I don't care about jobs. I don't care about relationships. I don't care about stability. I don't care about money. I'm going to do whatever I got to do to be in this band and to have a career in music and and make it whatever that means. Um, But then my health, I never thought my health would stand in the way like that. Let me circle back to the, the hyperacusis really quick. Because some people with tinnitus have a sensitivity to, to loud sounds, but it's different than hyperacusis. And it's often confused. Like yours is a true hyperacusis. The sounds that come into your ears feel like they hurt. They are so loud. They're just like abnormally sensitive, right? Yeah. But a lot of people with tinnitus say that they're sensitive to loud sounds. But what it really is is kind of fear of making the tinnitus worse. Like you're pulling away as a defense mechanism, not necessarily because it's actively painful. Can you talk about like those two things and how they interplay a little bit? Well, I, I had both. I can yeah. absolutely tell you I had both because, um, listen, I had people and, and people will say this and, and I've had a, a, my fair share of even my friends, family, believe me, everyone's like had their own. Everyone's had their two cents at like, hey, you know, this thing is kind of in your head or, you know, you're being overcautious, you're exaggerating, whatever. And I'm like. Look, it's not, that's not true. First off, that's not true. Like, the, I wish this was just totally mental because I would be able to overcome it. If if the tinnitus and the hearing, you know, anything that comes with it, like, is purely mental, I promise you I'd be able to overcome it. Like, uh, I'd 100% beatable. I would love that to be the case. Um, it is really happening. And the hyperacusis part of it, like, where I, again, I heard stuff that was just unreasonably loud sounding for what it was um that that's your everyday sounds that you're just like that's an everyday sound thing that's not a loud sound thing that's that's not like i know that if you smack two plates together in the sink it's not a damaging loud noise you know what i mean where you're i'm going to think hey i can't be around that it's going to actually like screw my tinnitus up but the fact that it felt so loud was because I was like, well, this seems wrong. Like this, this, there's a wire wrong in my brain that's causing this to sound louder. In the same breath, once I started approaching like louder sounds, like whether it's listening to music at a, you know, like a little bit louder or again, even being in a kid, I worked in a restaurant, man. I worked in a kitchen. Like I, I was like 
there it's loud in there man things are clanking all the time and there's like a part of me that was like i shouldn't be around all that because it's going to be triggering the the tinnitus like this is going to act this noise i'm hearing now is going to act as another trigger regardless if it was you know let's say under or above you know under or over like 85 decibels you know what i mean like i started like i got a sound meter on my phone i started measuring you know db in like areas i'd be in to see like what's really going on and like yeah like i would pull away from anything loud or i think is loud regardless if it actually was damaging, regardless if my exposure time, you know, was too much or not. Because, you know, as we know, it's 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 um, about, like, you know, exposure over time to, to different sound. doesn't go away it doesn't start it doesn't stop uh, it, it, it's it's just going 24 7 you could be sleeping and it's going you know you're having a good time it's going you're having a bad time it's still going like it doesn't care and you're just like oh my god i have no you feel like you have no control over it and it's just maddening and then the last thing you want to do is make that thing worse you know it's like um you know, would you, <laughs> it's like, would you, would you run a marathon? Like a if you broke your ankle, would you try to run a marathon? Like, no, you'd be aggravating the crap out of that. So you start thinking like, Hey, I don't want to poke the wound. You know, I don't want to make it worse. No, oh, that's a great analogy. Cause it's a, it's an injury. It's an injury. You're, and you're recognizing that, you know, to continue that analogy, you're trying to be a professional and you are actively a professional runner in this situation. Breaking your ankle is you got to stop and address that. You can't just kind of run it, walk it off, you know? No. And, and you thinking that, you know, again, I, maybe it is, it's hard to, it's not like something that I wish it was like a bone that broke, man. Cause your bone breaks, you, you know, it's six weeks, it heals. It's good. You can start seeing the progress, feeling the progress, you know, you can get back out there and run with tinnitus. It's very difficult. Like it's hard to tell, Hey, is it stable? Is it going down? Is it, is it going to freak out if I stick my face in front of a drum set again, you know, whatever. So, um, that is a very gray area. At least I feel it's hard. And, and tennis is so subjective to every person. It's like, you, you can't hear what I hear, even though I can describe it to you. You don't, you don't really know the severity exactly or not. And, and you don't know the fluctuation or not. So, no parts alone. There's really day. I mean, that was like to, I call that period of my life like the dark period. And and again, not everyone in my life understands. Um, some people that were there right when it first started, like they understand the pain I was going through and like the torture I was going through, uh, both like physically um, and just like you know and mentally from it, and also like emotionally from like basically stripping my identity away um, because I you know, couldn't be in music in the way I wanted to. But for the people that like didn't really like, you know, understand, it's like, look, it was, it was the long, one of the longest, hardest journeys of my entire life up to that point. I mean, seriously, I didn't know anything like that. I didn't know struggle like that at all until that happened. I was miserable. I was without hope. Um, I was in one of the darkest spots I've ever been in ever. And um, I was kind of at the point where I was like, you know, look, uh, you either continue down this path and you go on medication just to function, just to get out of bed, um, or you, you know, your back's against the wall and you just stand up and 
you just start, I was like, you just start walking. You just start walking away from the wall. You just start walking forward. Whatever that looks like, whatever that means, you just start walking forward. Met a girl from overseas, still shitting down her body. Now a ghost in the backseat. Now a ghost in the backseat. I started looking at 10 of this. It's just this constant stimulus that's always going and I'm always fighting it I'm always like I want to not hear it it's bothering me oh my god oh my god oh my god and I started getting into uh, the tin of this is like one of those like Chinese uh, finger traps you know the thing that connects your two fingers and and you want to naturally you want to escape it so you pull your fingers out but it actually tightens on it Um, so you can't pull out by trying to release like that you have to actually push in and then it will let go of you if you can find a way to let go of tinnitus it will also let go of you in, in its in its turn so it was like this mutual um this mutual release instead of just like resistance just kind of letting it be and and removing your emotional attachment to this freaking infernal ass noise like it's a horrible <laughs> sound man it's a terrible sound like it's not pleasant like i literally it it, it sounds like a dial-up tone non-stop going it is crazy and you have to like remove your emotional attachment to it where you brain will stop processing it as a threat it will stop processing it as something you need to need to hear about all the time um and it starts putting it through the filtering process that it does other stimuli that you don't um you know have in your consciousness like the fact that you're wearing pants everybody's listening to this you're wearing pants well i most of you probably are wearing (laughs) pants but you're wearing some kind of clothing most of my listeners (laughs) yeah (laughs) just the point you know you're wearing some kind of clothing it's like do you feel those clothes on you? It's like now you do. You totally feel your shirt on you. You totally feel your pants on you. But um, 99.9% of the time you don't because your brain's like, hey, we don't need to have this sensation in, in our consciousness at all times, you know? So those are concepts that you help me out with. Those are concepts that, you know, a lot of, uh, again, a lot of good advice online. Uh, I, I So those kind of concepts help me in my path. And then just over time, man, I mean, it took me a very, I baby-stepped it. I baby-stepped it. Um, you know, I, I got earplugs, uh, custom molded earplugs made. I started wearing those all the time when I was in any kind of loud situation. I, st- I stopped going out, man. I stopped going to bars. I stopped going to shows. I was not going to shows. Everything had a DJ. Every event had a DJ. Freaking office party, DJ, baby shower, DJ, christening, DJ. Like, everything has a DJ, dude. So I was just like, I'm not going to these. I'm not going to things. So I wasn't social. But I was giving my ears a serious break from loud sounds I didn't have in 25, 26 years of my life. You know, if you think about it, I've never, ever had a break from loud sounds since eighth grade. And um, somewhere in there, it did start becoming less important. The tinnitus became less intrusive. Um, it was always there. still there. It just started becoming a little less and I started picking my guitar up a little bit more and I just, I baby stepped it. And I mean, seriously, over the course of four years, <laughs> you know? And that threat that you were talking about, like your brain sees it as a threat, a literal warning, danger sign, but it's threatening your perception of yourself. It's threatening your, your life story. It's threatening who you call Joey. Right, because who you called Joey up until then was the guy who climbs to the balcony with his shirt off on stage, like you know. And then suddenly, you- I was I was a former was a former musician. I was a former, you know. I was like I was like oh yeah, I was like a former like full time musician. Like it, it was it hurt to say that. Um, 
I, I had to kind of rediscover like what was me. I also somewhere in there, there's a cliche lesson about like, look, the passion energy that you have, it always stays with you regardless through what medium. So I had to learn that lesson that I can apply that passion to other things. Um, but my identity of the doing the things I loved, it was non-existent. And now someone out there is going to hear this and be like, Oh dude, you're, you're being dramatic. You know, it's a noise. Like, come on. You know what I mean? And I'm like, dude, you don't understand. Like, it it's it's so scary that this thing just doesn't seem to end and you have no control over this and nothing in your life. Here's the thing I'd say about people that are like, you know, don't know ten of this or just think it's whatever or um, aren't taking protecting their hearing seriously. There's nothing, there's almost nothing in life that you go and experience um, that just never runs out of juice. Like seriously, I mean, Besides, like, I don't know, an old, like, besides, like, an old, like, one of those Nokia cell phones, like, <laughs> there's, 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 there's nothing that's just so, like, everything has energy. Everything expends energy. Everything eventually has to stop or die or recharge or, you know, your body needs a break. Like, even the worst thing happening to you, period, it has to stop at some point for whatever natural reason. Tinnitus is this thing that when you experience it, you're like, oh my God, this, it doesn't ever see you're like this is ridiculous it, it you, your brain can't wrap its head around something that is always stimulated even when you're not stimulated even when you're relaxing you're in bed you're gonna go to sleep you're calm there's a candle on you're you're you're, you're chilling you know what i mean you're, you're you're in your most intimate and sacred time to like rest this thing is going ballistic in your head it's it's such a weird phenomenon and um it's terrifying because you feel like you have no control over it at all so the prospect of making that worse or more intrusive took me about four years to feel normal um and i was feeling good like end of 2019 like early 2020 i was probably feeling good feeling good enough to buy a motorcycle ride around on a a literal motorcycle at like eight you know 80 miles an hour or so you know with the wind and everything like which is something i could never have dreamed of doing in 2017 2018 i i sold my car for a quieter car just so i can have a quieter car like just the wind noise you know what i mean i got like I sold my like sporty Zelica to get like a Honda Accord that was like bigger and a little more of a buffer with the wind. I mean, that's how sensitive my hearing was. And then to, to just know that two years later, oh, I'm going to get a motorcycle. It's like <laughs> man, that that alone is a massive piece of progress. So even though I wasn't playing live in a band at that point, and I wasn't going out to bars with DJs and stuff. I was still like, hey, man, that's a pretty big, um, pretty big improvement, you know, um, but believe me, it took all of my effort, all of my being, all of my like willpower, like it took all of my entire being to get to even that point. So, you know, to just not ever have to do that. Cause if I just wore some earplugs, <laughs> you know what well, I mean? Yeah. I mean, let's talk about that. Talking back to your previous self, right. Talking back to your seventh, eighth grade self playing bands or your, your graduating self or your going out on your first tours, you know, cause there's things that you could say to yourself back then and things that you could also apply that to basically anybody starting in music. What would you say? Dude, like, just, just protect your hearing. It's so simple. It's something you, you kind of hear. I never heard it when I was growing up. Like I heard it a little bit, like we all kind of hear it, you know, but I, I, I didn't listen. No one sat me down and said, Hey, 
here's how here's our hearing works. Here's how you here's what you you never get it back if you damage it. Here's um you know the amount of sound you can actually tolerate as a human being before damage starts to occur. Here's how long you can do it. Here's the mechanisms of anything. No, we've had I've had every health class under the sun, every kind of math class. I, I learned more about <laughs> making graphs and and the slope of a line than I've ever learned about like protecting my hearing, which is something that like everybody is subjected to. You know what I mean? Dude, you're, you're growing up, you're young, you're going out, man, you're seeing bands, you're going to clubs, you're going to bars, like, you know, all of us are doing these things. And obviously, you know, able-bodied folk and everything and with that privilege, of course, I, I, I am checking that here at the door when I say that. And I didn't think about hearing protection or took it seriously whatsoever. So what I would tell, you know, young me is like, dude, just buy a pair of earplugs. Like, and there's so many options for earplugs. Like, um, you know, I tell young bands all the time. I tell my peers now all the time. And people come to me for earplug recommendations and understanding and stuff. Like, which I'm grateful to do. I'm very grateful that I get to answer some questions for anybody. You know, I, I'm by no means the authority. The the filtered earplugs, man. I would I would have been rocking those from day one if I knew they existed. I didn't even know they existed. So you, you go in, you get a piece of silicone. Um, it's, a, it's a silicone piece that is molded to your ear canal. Um, the key thing is it, it, it everything sounds the same, but just lower. So you can hear across the same spectrum, but everything's just at a safe volume. So actually playing shows and being at gigs, not only is it safer, it's literally easier to hear stuff with that amount of uh, hearing, you know, hearing protection in. I wish I knew all that. Look, people complain about going big with that and spending 180 bucks on molded plugs and i understand if you can't afford that then don't do it you know but anything is better than nothing there's a bunch of universal models out there but um i will say that if you're one of those people that are like yo man i'm not wearing earplugs or you're crazy 100 100 plus bucks for for earplugs i'm like dude how much money have you invested into your rig how much money have you invested into your guitar into your drum set your mics your record like the recordings like your band's promo your band's uh, budget for literally anything and and all of that and you're telling me like you can't throw aside you know 200 bucks maybe for the only thing you need to be in a band the only thing you really need to play your instrument in order to play your 1200 uh strat <laughs> you know you like you need to have ears you gotta they have to work man so oh, um i love I, that yeah, it's just the truth. So I'll say any musician that, that's out here listening to this, that's like on the fence about like taking it seriously, if you can, like go get molded plugs. You'll thank yourself because they're, you know, because they're comfy and you can wear them all the time and they're great quality and you can hear everything you want and you'll be protecting yourself and you won't get what like I have and, you know, what all these people in the world tennis have. And all the journey that I just talked about, you will not have to do whatsoever. Mm-hmm. You won't have to miss a gig, man. Seriously. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. It's so worth it. And, so don't 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 skimp out on that. If I could, I would take out multiple mortgages. I would put myself in financial ruin if you said, "Hey, you give me all this money and you could be cured of this," you know? Or when I was younger, you sat me down and said, "Hey, here are the dangers of what could happen if you don't take your hearing seriously." I would have said, "Whatever I got to pay, whatever I got to invest in, I will invest to keep, you know, my hearing um and especially musicians, man, we don't have, you know, we don't got Corollas, you know, like on our ear. These aren't like two Toyota Corollas. Like you got like, if you're a musician, you got, no, you got like two Ferraris on the side of your head, man. You know, you know, we're, we, you should be proud of that being a musician and, and, and using your hearing to create art and, and ha- have that minute, um, you know, discernibility and understanding when you're listening to um, recordings and, 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 and everything when you're creating your own or listening to other artists. 
you have a serious tools on the side of your head and you're just neglecting the crap out of them because you're, you're getting battered with like dangerous levels of decibel. my mom suffers a brain aneurysm and you know my whole world goes in a tailspin because my mom you know literally has a brain aneurysm at my grandmother's um funeral so it's just insanity right and you know that uh changed you know again I thought the tennis was the worst thing in my life I mean that's the worst thing in my life you know and then that my whole life you know became about obviously you know helping my family out my mom out at that point it was like I genuinely believe that my my neuro like attention and energy was diverted off of giving a shit about tinnitus because there's literally more important things that are happening right now that I have to be on top of. And I actually think it helped push it to the back of my brain because it's like, dude, there's seriously stuff that you need to handle and be be present and alert for and put your energy into. Do you know what I mean? So it was still there, but I just remember it, bo- like, it bothering me less because I just wasn't thinking about it as much. And, and I think, like, you, you start, you know, you get into that loop, your mind starts reinforcing that, and eventually your mind starts reinforcing, like, yeah, this isn't fucking important, you know? You can take that all the way into 20, through 2020, and then in 2021, um, unfortunately, my father passed away uh, in the fall, and... Um, that was around the time I started gigging again, actually. And I was gigging right like during and just before that. Um, but beyond distraught when my father passed, obviously depressed, you wouldn't, you know, going in like the stress levels were through the roof. I mean, even when he was, he was battling cancer, um, you know, that was something that I was trying to manage with him, like, you know, as a, as a caretaker type figure. And like, you read so much about um, tinnitus being, linked to uh like your again your response to it your stress response so if you're stressed out and you're hurt you know or you're 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 if you're stressed out and you're in a bad state like it will ramp up um i mean yeah i i was a you talk about stress i mean i was crying on my dad's you know bedside as he was going i mean i'm thinking i'm thinking like oh my god that would be such a uh traumatic event that the tinnitus would just feed off that and go crazy because like I'm so stressed out and it's a negative thing and it's gonna it's gonna just like respond because it's just part of my body now. And it didn't even do that. <laughs> Seriously. I- I've read people online be like, oh I-, I had this traumatic event and tinnitus started for me shortly after because you know we didn't touch on this, but it could be a, a tinnitus can have a an ex- it-, it 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 can be a symptom of anxiety. It can be a, a non-audiological um you know, phenomenon that happens to you. Um, and I, I think I've went through the gamut of things that would, you know, exasperate it uh, for most people or potentially even start it in some people. It didn't, it didn't spike or get increased off from that, you know? So they're, they're really like, yeah, there's just like more important shit and my brain knew it, <laughs> you yep. know? Um, so I thought that was uh, some serious stuff has happened in my life that even everything I just told you with the tinnitus just gets thrown to the ground because I'm like, oh, this is way worse. So that that's the scale of that's ridiculous, you know? Um, but it, it definitely acts as like a little bit of a blueprint maybe of like, hey, this thing doesn't take top precedent, you know? Completely. And, and just to like emphasize 
the scale of that, I mean, these are one, thank you for opening up about that. Um, no, absolutely, man. Cause that's not, those aren't things to be taken lightly, but to, to emphasize the scale of that, you said a sentence in there that, oh yeah. And by then I was gigging again, but the first half of your story was like, how could I ever touch a guitar? Like, like, how can I get back to that? I have to separate myself out from that life. But like, it's almost a footnote now that like, oh yeah, now I'm gigging again. Yeah. Yeah. I, like, yeah. Like, how did that happen? How did you get, how did you decide call people up and like have rehearsals again and like decide to, I mean, cause I know that, that your band is back together. The one that you had to put on, put on ice. Yes. Now your baby. Yes. Um, well, I went to that. I mean, you know, the condensed version of that basically is that in 2020, uh, carrot, who's the uh, singer, not your baby front woman. She's incredible. She, um, called me to um because we dropped the band hard in 2017 and she's like hey i kind of want to do this project again like even if you can just get together and write with me i want to finish those songs i want to record them and i was like yeah yeah I, it would be healthy for me to get back into music i was just like look uh i don't i just don't think i can play live so like i recorded those songs like very cautiously with earplugs in and the studio and careful about the monitors and stuff and like we wrote we recorded and i was i was still very careful but we recorded them to get like a band together and i kept being like well look you get a guitarist i'll teach them everything you can start practicing with a drummer whatever and you know we can start putting putting a band together and i'll I'll pass everything off to someone that can play live with you and that was the plan and we tried that for a couple people we had took a little while to get a concrete group together uh but once we did i mean it went from very cautiously rehearsing like unplugged or you know low amps or electric drum kit i did a lot of electric drum kit stuff um so eventually it was like look you know we have some real gigs on the table we don't have another suitable guitarist you know i i felt like i you know i i, I own i owned my parts in the songs i was like the only guy that could really do the justice you know you know I, I gotta try to step up and like i baby stepped my way up there i said maybe i can try Like I said, I ride my motorcycle, man. You know, I, I do do some things that are loud. Like, you know, I've been, I, I was like pushing it a little bit. And I was like, let me, let me just try. So we had some band practices. And I remember very, very early, like, it was so scary, those first band practices, that I was even like, I actually thought it was crazy, dude. I had the thought where I was like, I don't think I can do this. And not only do I think I can do this, I'm like, I'm not enjoying myself. The thing I love, I was like, I'm not having fun. I'm not enjoying myself. I'm not getting the same feeling I get. You know, from playing live, I felt robotic. I was like, I've never felt that in my entire life. And I was like, I'm not sure I even want to risk it all again. It was crazy. I remember it so clearly in in the basement of our drummer's place. You know, I mean, this is just like the real details. Like, this isn't just like, because people always say like, oh, I did this and now now I'm better. It's like, dude, listen, I stood far away from the drums. I made everybody take breaks. I was like, we're going to run the set once. We're taking like a 10, 15 minute break and then I'll come back. I'm not just ripping two hours straight of the stuff, you know? And after a couple practices, I realized like, it wasn't really getting any worse. It was just kind of still there, but it wasn't that bad. And I was like, and it's not getting any louder. So that just eventually morphed into like, okay, like, 
let's just keep trying. And then I played a gig, and the gig was, like, outside. And I even contributed that, being like, well, that was easy because it was outside. And it's, like, so much easier to escape, like, sound waves that way. And our second gig was, like, in an alley. And I was like, well, if anything's going to be loud, it's going to be this gig. Again, it just didn't get worse. And I, I, w- I was able to even switch to my lesser earplugs, like my like 25 dB earplugs, like with the filter when I was watching other bands, as long as I kind of stood a little bit, you know, in the crowd. So I just noticed it wasn't getting worse. And I was able to put myself back in loud sounds. I'd say by December, my old, my, my really old pop punk band had a re- we reunited. Dude, my old pop punk band, like playing heavy ass distortion, breakdown, screaming, all the ridiculous stuff. Um, we, we rehearsed and played a reunion gig. Um, I played two sets that night with both my bands. I watched all the other bands. Like I I was beside myself. The first show that I went to, um, a professional gig that I went to that I saw in, in February of 2022, that was the first proper like professional gig I stepped foot in since 2017. So I baby stepped my way up to that, you know? Um, but once I just, it really, the key was, the key of it was, I was wearing the best earplugs I had. I was not letting myself be exposed to that sound raw whatsoever. Um, I was always making sure I was plugged up and rehearsing. There was no time I was not using earplugs. Like seriously, um, you know, especially rehearsing, playing absolutely like seeing other bands. Like I wasn't up on the speakers. I was like out in the crowd. I was like making sure I was in a good spot. As long as it wasn't getting worse, I was like, I'm fine. Like it'll be fine. Even now, man, it's it. My my tennis right now has spiked up again unfortunately, after standing too close to some amps on a, a very heavy show. Like, I, I I put myself in serious harm's way, something that I thought I could never even do again, ever. And I put myself in a ridiculously loud situation that then, you know, has aggravated the tennis again. I don't know, just, just I, I'll even say it now, like, mine's pretty bad again. If it never gets worse and just stays at this level, like, I'd be happy with that. If it just stays, the state, having it be stable was a huge part. Like, once it wasn't reacting anymore, because that's huge. I mean, you know, just listening to your words there is like, now I'm down in a low point again. And if it stays here, I'm fine. But like, imagine you saying that in 2017. No, well, no, well, but this is also me bartering. Like, I'm, I feel like I'm bargaining with God here. I'm like, please, <laughs> like, I don't want to make it any worse. Like, because I'll tell you right now, I, I'd say my level currently is, I'm at 2017 level right now. Maybe, maybe a little worse in my left ear, like for real. And I'm like, how can this be? But I did put myself through another decent acoustic trauma. I have hyperacusis going again a little bit. Not as bad, but it's definitely there. Um, so I'm in another low point, and I'm in another point of like trying to take a break and, and try to heal myself here. And it's difficult the second time around because I'm like, it's very hard coming to terms with the fact of like, there's just no way I have to do all this again. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. You know that you can do it. You know that you did it before. You know that you can master this now it's just burdensome right yeah i mean it is it really is and and part of part of it now is like i'm like hey is this even normal to have this happen like is it even normal to go so far and obtain what i consider was recovery i was i was so well off um even earlier this year man like i said i was so good with it that i was like oh even though there's a cure for ten of this like I was almost like, I don't even care because it's so low. I don't even give a shit. Like my brain got so used to it. My brain's like, oh, this is just what silence sounds like. I was no longer upset that I couldn't hear silence. I was like, well, this is just what silence is. This is my new silence. And it was just normal. It was just business as usual. Do you know what I mean? Right now, my silence is interrupted by a very, very loud intrusive ring. So that is like, you know, that's why I'm alarmed again because I'm like, oh man, this isn't like 
a two or three out of 10. I'm, I'm at like a six or seven out of 10, like, you know, in terms of the annoyance scale of it. So like it's, it's that kind of jarring change that is alarming to me again, you know? Where do you see this going from here? Are you are you going to take a step back again? Are you reassessing that? Are you giving another break? Or do you really think like, well, we're jumping back in? Like, I can do this safely. I am taking a break at the moment. Um, I, I still am the same person that wants to have a career in music. I want to be doing this. I want to put everything on the line. Like, I'm, I, that has not changed. So in my mind, it's like, we're going to get back to it. I guess the golden question is, who decides we can get back to that? Because like, I could say that. Yeah, me, but I'm like, you know, I'm always nervous. Like, all right. Yeah, man. I mean, I can go practice tomorrow, but what I don't want to do is wake up, you know, tomorrow night and be like, Oh my God, this tennis is like so much worse. So like, I kind of don't, I have to find, I guess for me, I guess I'm just waiting for some kind of point where I feel like, Hey, it's, it's stable enough to try to push it again. Um, I, you know, and, and, and be safe. Um, I'm always going to, you know, I'm still going to be wearing earplugs. I got new earplugs made. I saw you recently. Um, you know, I'm going to be exercising the most cautious, but I think I will try to baby step myself maybe a bit quicker into the live environment again, probably in the summer and just kind of, you know, in another month or two and just, just baby step it at like a, a practice and just see how I feel. Um, but the reality is I don't know. And that's the scary part. That's why I take this seriously. Cause I'm like, Hey man, this thing, you know, it reacts. It reacts to the trigger, which is damaging levels of loud sound. And what I want to do with my life is put myself in damaging levels of loud sound constantly. I had a doctor at ENT actually tell me once, he was like, uh, he's like, I'd feel better if you were an accountant, <laughs> you know, because I wouldn't be constantly, you know, putting myself in, in harm's way. Um, so, yeah, I, I want to get back to it sooner, obviously. Um, and I just, you know, I know I want to get back to it. I want to get back gigging with it. Um, just as long as it isn't reacting again um, and, and, get, and getting kind of spiked up. I'm just trying to respect it super baby step myself uh back man but i have to have faith and have to have hope that's like it ain't gonna be this bad forever and that's what's getting me through the days right now is that like it just will not like this is just not the this ain't the chat like the final chapter in my story it can't be it just can't be especially after getting getting back here you know certainly and speaking of i know that you have some projects that you're working on right now what can you share or what would you like to share and plug at the end here? Um, first and foremost, everybody, uh, please wear earplugs. If you're a musician, <laughs> if you're in the industry, if you yeah. work at a venue, if you go to venues all the time, if you're a casual fan, and then most importantly, of course, especially if you're in a band actively gigging, please go get a pair of earplugs. Make it worth your investment for your passion and your life to, to be in music. Go get your plugs. Having said that, uh, 
<laughs> I play um <laughs> I play with earplugs in. I play in a um an indie rock band uh called Not Your Baby. You can catch us at, at Def Not Your Baby on Instagram, on Twitter, um, Not Your Baby on Spotify, wherever you stream music, etc. We got a couple tracks out right now with more uh, coming out uh this year. Um I have a new project of mine that I can't talk about the specifics of what it is, what it sounds like, but it will be coming out. Um, I do those two things um, in music. My own personal Instagram at Joey Dico, Joey D-I-C-O. I will also be dropping some uh, hearing content as well, uh, just mostly like earplug information and things like that, like where you can get accessible, you know, accessible hearing content for musicians, like easy stuff, footnote stuff, stuff about, you know, grabbing earplugs with different types, et cetera, just to demystify some of that for, cause a lot of people do ask me about that and have come to me for that. So I want to make that really easy for everybody. So add Joey Deco on Instagram for that. That's great that you're able to give that kind of information back all the stuff that you've learned. De- definitely. So those are kind of all the things that I'm involved in and, you know, it takes, it takes up all my time and creative energy uh, to do that. That's amazing. And speaking of your uh, time and creative energy, thank you for putting your time into this today. This was this was amazing. Talking Ears is a production of Earmark Hearing Conservation. You can reach us by email at talkingears at earmarkhc.com. We would love to hear your thoughts about this episode and hearing wellness in general. Theme music was by Scott Hallam. You can find more of his music at audiodowsing.com. Additional production and editing assistance by Juan Vasquez and Mary Kim. Thanks for listening. Now, I've heard from many of you that this show has been very helpful, that these are words that you needed to hear, and that this is a conversation that you wish that you had more of. And many of you are asking me, how can I help this mission? Well, here's how you can help right now. The more listeners there are, the more response we get, the more we are going to be able to keep making these episodes. So please, rate and review the show on Apple Podcasts, Podbean, or wherever you get your podcasts. Please tell your friends and share the show if you find it valuable. Listening, sharing, reviewing, and giving your constructive criticism, these are the ways that this show will continue and continue to improve. So as always, thank you for listening.